Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. We come to you once again with a very special uh, Tim May podcast because we're doing this from re- remote locations to try to to try to circle uh, to try to circle and then wipe out the coronavirus. Uh, yours truly, Letterman Rowcast is is on is on the job trying to get this done. Isn't that right, Boston? You know him as Austin Ward. Yeah, I mean this is uh, obviously not ideal for any of us, but uh, as you said right at the top, we we want to do our part with the social distancing, but we also want to make sure that uh, our content at Letterman Row continues as normally as possible. So it's uh, unfortunate that I don't get to sit next to you and have a real face to face conversation the way we've done. Hopefully next week or in the next couple of weeks, we'll work out more options. But for right now, we're this is the best we can do, and we're going to try to make do. Well, I know at least one guy who uh, usually watches us is going to miss your short pants. So uh, there you go. <laughs> hey, I've got them on right now. You you know I'm wearing shorts, so that's I'll take a picture for whoever needs it. Yeah, but that's still one COVID nineteen casualty right there. Uh, uh, bottom line is this is these are strange times we live in. You know, we were on a, 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 a teleconference with Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director, late last week when he was explaining what all you know why they had come to the decisions they had made to close basically close down the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and other sports facilities at Ohio State, et cetera. And I asked him, you know, uh, does this remind him a little bit of? of 2001, 9-11, you know, and he said, you know, he thought about it for a second. You know, obviously there are a lot of differences in this because uh, 9-11 came from right out of the, you know, 
and this is a bad pun, but right out of the blue, uh, yeah. this thing has been building for a while, but the impact on sports is going to be much greater than 9-11 was because people got back up and running to a certain extent within a week, week and a half of uh, 9-11. At, at this point, we don't even know when Ohio State is going to allow its sports teams, and specifically as football players, which is what most of the people tuning in this podcast to learn about, are going to allow them even back in their, their facilities. For now, at least April 1 or April 6 is a is a date, but that's just a, a floating date out there. As, as Gene Smith said when I asked him the question about whether players would be required to even return from their spring break, uh, locales he said basically they they wouldn't be so they you know as we know uh, sp- the uh, spring semester is going to ramp back up uh, uh, Monday or Tuesday of next week and it's all going to be online and so uh, players will be able to do that whether they're in Georgia or Texas or Florida or wherever they are and and probably finish out the spring semester uh, but these are just Austin what a strange time uh, right yeah, so I think that it also – I mean, that's the closest comparison we have. When you asked Gene Smith about 9-11, I hadn't really even thought about that, but it was really the last time that the entire sports world came to a halt like this. But, you know, in that situation, you knew that things were going to come back uh, to life because that wasn't an illness. Yeah, it was uh, a terrorist attack and, and – Airports shut down and you had all that. But, you know, it wasn't that long before uh, George W. Bush was throwing out pitches for the World Series and and college football was part of that uh, rebirth and getting everything back to normal. But that was not, you know, contagious around the country. Uh, Right. You know, you had obviously the fear, but it was much easier to overcome that because, uh, you know, of all these other circumstances that aren't related to health and vaccines and and uh, social distancing and all this other stuff that is new, you know, new concepts to me. And I think, you know, that was a, a good comparison, except, you know, there's only so much you can draw from that because this is completely new oh, yeah. uh, to all of us, all of us that weren't alive, you know, for the flu in 1918. Um, and the world is completely different since then. You know, there's only so much that you can really draw from that. But um, the other part I think that's fascinating when you ask those questions to Gene Smith and, at that point, the target date was April 6th. Well, everything changed so fluidly, not just daily, but within the hours last week uh, as, they, as the NCAA and Ohio State and everybody else tried to wrap their minds around this. But we talked to Gene Smith on Friday, and then 72 hours later, you know, you get a, the CDC is telling everyone that for the next eight weeks, no gatherings of over 50 people. Well, hmm. if you're going to have a college football practice, you have 85 scholarship players right off the bat. So yeah, if that well, you know, the beauty of a, of a facility like the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, though, is you could practice on three different fields. You know, offense, defense, and special teams. You'd have like thirty, thirty-five apiece. But uh, yeah, uh, of course, I'm being facetious. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the the the. You know, I was on the Channel Ten the other night with Doctor Barry, and I said, you know, uh, the the resumption of of possibly of spring practice or whatever is the farthest from anyone's mind right now. Well, I mean, football fans, that's all they have to do. A lot of people are staying at home, quarantining in place, so to speak. Yeah, yeah they're concerned. I mean, they have 
they have nothing else to think about, so they think about the college football season, how sports is being taken away from them. But, uh, you know, there are so, so much bigger uh, whales to fry in this situation than uh, whether or not Ohio State will will ever get to finish his spring football 2020. Here, what, I, what I fully expect, and this is just me out on a limb, is I expect the NCAA, Big Ten, et cetera, to tell teams, hey, you'll have an extra week, week and a half of preseason practice. You might be able to bring everybody together in a formal way instead of in a you know instead of those off season workout ways in a formal way maybe by the middle of July or something uh, to kind of start ramping up toward the season. And uh, as you well well you don't know this Austin you're a young man. Well you might remember some. I mean used to be you'd have the football season guys would get time off then they would go into spring football they do a little lifting and stuff and then they'd get time off and they'd come back uh first of august and start working themselves into shape to play football again you know <laughs> and as we well know especially the big time programs across the country uh, they try to stay in you know 90 to 95 percent shape the entire year so they don't lose that edge and that's you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes because, like we said, uh, no one is welcome to the in the end of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center at the moment. It might as well have a padlock on it. Yet, Nebraska, unless they've changed uh, their ruling late last week, which I didn't notice uh, as we recorded this early this week, you know, they were going to allow their uh, indoor facility and stuff to be open and available to their players. Uh, so that's even a difference right there within a conference. You and I were, you know, we actually talked about this over the weekend when we were, you know, trying to figure out the latest and where things go and, and uh, you know, just the plans moving forward for Ohio State uh, not recorded. I, I kind of feel like that's, um, you know, I, I expected that Ohio State would continue to leave everything open and available to the athletes just because uh, the alternative then would be, you know, trying to find uh, a Planet Fitness that's open and then going out in the wild, like at least if they – had uh, disease bombed the Woody and all the other facilities on campus that, as Gene Smith said, they did last week. You yeah. can kind of have some control over that. Uh, and, and you countered with, I think, an excellent point that you're not really sure about, you know, the legality of that if they catch catch it in the Woody. You know, I I don't know. I, I, I could feel like it'd be both ways. You could you could try and manage the situation as best you can in the, in the place that you know, in the place that they're comfortable. Or you just have – you lose complete control and send them out there because you know that uh, these these guys they're so they're such elite workers and they have huge goals and they expect their season to continue as expected they're gonna go work out um, they want to be NFL players down the road they want to win a national championship if there are guys that are in Columbus you know that they're gonna try and find somewhere where they can throw the football around and and work on their you know everything that they they're taught and their technique and all that other stuff that's going to continue for Ohio State just because those are the kind of people that we're talking about here um, but instead you know and I get it I, I'm not saying that uh, anything is right or wrong we're all trying to do the best we can in that situation you know we're not doing the podcast as normal just the same way that they're not able to go do their workouts in the Woody I get all that but it's just I, I thought that step was a little unexpected but it also reminds you of the severity and and I think Ohio State, uh, you know, you keep hearing this expression that um, you know, overreaction is the only way to make sure that you did it right. Uh, I'm going to put I'm butchering that because I'm not a health expert either. But the only way you know that you messed up is if you underreact. So well, I, get, I get all yeah. that for them. 
Yeah. But here's the thing that's different totally from, uh, you know, from 9-11, so to speak. And I don't want to get graphic here, but, you know, you can bomb sweep the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and feel real good about it, you know, when uh, yeah. when that was going on. Uh, you can put up roadblocks and things like that. You know, the thing about it is, like like uh, Gene Smith said, they pretty much uh, sanitized the Woody Hayes Athletic Center a week ago. Well, once you let people into it again, you pretty much would have to do that every day. And, yeah, uh, you're because, right. Because the problem is you can't – you know, you you don't know where people have been, who they're who they're hanging out with, uh, who they bumped into at the store. I mean, that's the that is the great unknown with this situation. And you know, I still I'm planning on playing golf this afternoon with a buddy of mine, Paul Spawn, because I figure if we're in two different carts, we're about you know, in special way I hit the ball. Especially when you hit the ball the way he hits the ball, we're going to be very separated from each other. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I figure two-man golf is about as, the way I play it at least, about as different as you can get. We're rarely right next to each other in the middle of the, in the fairway. He's usually in the middle of the fairway and I'm looking, you know what I mean? But, uh, but, to yeah. put, but that's the point. You, this is the great unknown about this is you can be clean today and, uh, and uh, tarnished tomorrow with this, with, with this COVID-19 virus. And so I think erring on the side of caution and, you know, I understand all of the, uh, this, the, the explanations have been given about the more you stay separated right now, distancing, uh, the better shot you have of at least flattening the, uh, flattening the exponential possibly exponential spread spread of this thing so i understand all of that but it's just you know man i've, I've been to a few stores in the last couple of days it's crazy how people have reacted i mean uh i'm i'm, I'm actually you know the fellow your fellow man you know you kind of wonder you know what's going on uh, in their minds like uh, there's not going to be any food uh, next week and people buying up all the milk well, you know milk only lasts a, bit, a little while you know <laughs> and uh, so people have, people have, people are reacting pretty much like you I guess you expect them to react in a time of crisis some people keep their cool and some people don't yeah it's um hey we, we I went to the grocery store yesterday to help load up and you know it's the stuff that's gone is the, the crazy part for me I'm not the first one to observe how silly it is that the toilet paper, uh, there's been this mass hysteria over that. I'm not really sure uh, the benefit there, but you know, everybody going crazy. The New York Times story, uh, you can see the hand sanitizer with everyone, you know, buying up every bottle that's there, you know, at Target, at Giant Eagle, at Kroger, and there's nowhere that you can get it. And then, you know, the, uh, screw these people that were trying to make yeah. a killing uh, off of that and jacking up the prices, but you know, you got to leave some for everybody else. Like if you have 10 bottles of sanitizer in your house and your nine neighbors have zero, well, that's not going to help you if they all get sick. So, right, right. you know, I think that <laughs> we need to, we need to be uh, cognizant of that and sharing. I'm not here to, to preach on that stuff. That's really not my place. You and I are not health experts, although I think we've all done way more uh, reading and watching and listening to that than we ever have at least for me in my entire life about this stuff. Um, yeah. Because, it, you know, you can't, you can't look at what's, you can't not look at what's going on around the world and see how severe this is and how deadly it can be. Uh, you know, I don't want, you know, my parents were asking about daycare for, for Liberty. And it's like, well, I don't, you guys need to stay put. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to risk having, if I'm carrying it and, and you guys are at an age where you might be in jeopardy, I don't want to pass that along to you. Like if I did, 
think about how devastating that would be if you gave your parents or, you know, your significant other, you know, something that they had a health complication for and that took their life. Like this is what we're, it's a life and death situation. Letterman Row covers Ohio State football and we're going to try and keep doing that as best we can. I don't want every time we, you and I talk to be about uh, the coronavirus, but right now when it's so new, you can't help it. I mean, this is dominating and changing everyone's lives and we're all still trying to wrap our, our, our heads around what that means because it's this is a completely foreign situation for all of us. We've never been in this situation before. It's not the flu. Uh, I know that you know there, not everyone has been on board with you know doing this social distancing or whatever right from the start, but you have you have to do it right now because you look at what's happening in Italy and you know some of these you know in China initially. Yeah, uh, it, it's taking lives. You have to treat it seriously, and that's yeah. just where I am. And I'll get off that soapbox because uh, nobody needs to hear me preach about that. Well, sir, Bruce said you were really up on your soap opera right there, man. You were really. Yeah. Well, uh, here's one other thing. When I go back to, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up this thing about the complications just from the football side. I don't want to hijack your show, but when you look at adding dates to you know tr- training camp and preseason. That's why this, there's a hundred different things uh, for eligibility and you know spring sports and all that other stuff the NCAA has to deal with. Like Clemson, for example, just to c- compare another college football playoff team to Ohio State, I believe they'd gone through nine practices in spring. Ohio State had gone through three. So yeah. is, every, is everyone going to get the same amount of dates back? Or are they all going to get the same amount of time in, in June or July? Like These things are, are so difficult for everyone to deal with because you want the playing field to be even. But in some respects, it probably won't be. Yeah, well, that's why I said. I mean, I think the way you do it is, whatever happened up to uh, whatever happened up to last week is moot as far as I'm concerned. I think you look at it as more of giving teams an extra week and a half, two weeks of preseason practice, and maybe even break that up a little because you know, guys, you don't want us guys in camp for six weeks before they play a football game. You know, it's not the NFL, uh, so to speak. But uh, I think that's what's going to end up happening if, in fact. We get to the season, you know, and uh, I wanted to introduce a little segment I recorded late last week with a with a with a friend of mine, Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. You know, um, college sports were already in sort of a an interesting crossroads from the standpoint of um, I don't know. I'm not going to say revenue is peaking because revenue is not peaking at all or wasn't uh, until this happened. But uh, but, you know, with with the advent of like the uh, Big Ten Network and and these ridiculously lucrative um, uh, television network packages for these conferences, uh, how the revenue has kept climbing for the most part. But the but the the casualty in this is the live fan. It does appear from the standpoint of uh, once again across you know uh, on an average situation attendance at major college football games last year fell again. I'm talking about live attendance, you know, and and you know, and I know there were games in the Woody Hay- in the Woody Hayes in the Ohio Stadium this past year, uh, where we saw some pretty decent swaths of empty seats, you know, at uh, up in the upper reaches, and and that appears to be a slowly building trend for college football of the live crowd, you know, just incrementally staying away because you can see it 
maybe you can see it better on television, uh, et cetera. But I wanted to just get into this uh, little recording I did with Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com, who did a, a pretty long, lengthy, in-depth piece on it for for, for CBSSports.com last week. And uh, when we get back, uh, Austin, we'll discuss that a little bit and then get into a little bit of, of Ohio State football news because, you know what, uh, maybe life has slowed down to a trickle, but it's still – trickling you know, <laughs> uh, when it comes to Ohio State football. But we'll be right back after this uh, recording I did with uh, Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com. Well, we're back with Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com. Dennis Dodd, uh, welcome into the Tim May Podcast once again. Tim, thanks so much. Glad to be here. You know what piqued my interest, man, was that story you had last week on the decline of live attendance at college football games, major college football games, especially around the country. And uh, just give folks a little bit of an overview uh, of of what it is you've, you know, you've. it's not as much you've discovered. It's like you keep going to this vein, I think, almost every year. You've been you've been chronicling it that uh, maybe the, the demand for people, uh, whatever you want to call it, to go to games live has been slowly on a on a what's what I, what I call it a recline right <laughs> a yeah, decline a, a, a decline yeah I, I got into it about three years ago when I just started looking at the numbers and they're available but it's not that easy to find them um, yeah. the NCA has them the schools have them and three years ago the headline was it was the largest per game decline by average I think it was. 1,400 fans per game, overall divisions, bowl games, and playoff in 34 years in wow. FBS. Yeah. Last, in 2018, it was lowest attendance in 22 years, and now it's declined again for the eighth time in nine years. So it's the lowest average attendance since 1996, since Florida and Nebraska were playing for national championships. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, but we can talk about those. But yeah. those are the headlines that got me going. You know, as, as you look at this stuff, and now, like I said, you've been chronicling this for a while. You know, we've all been anecdotally watching it. You know, uh, at different games this year at Ohio State, there were there were sections uh, in the upper decks, especially the of yep. the stadium that weren't full. You could see, even though you know crowds of over a hundred thousand might have been announced, et cetera, uh, around the you know Penn State games. You know, you saw that a couple of times just around the country. You saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. what just, if you could put your finger on one thing that's causing us more than anything else, what do you think? And we're talking about live attendance because we'll get into what that means, you know, as far as the yeah. uh, budget goes for these, uh, schools and revenue. But if you could put your finger on one thing that's kind of stood out to you, that could be a, a primary cause for this, what would it be? Um, it's, it's about 20 different things. Actually, it's about, it, it's everything, but. I think college, I will say this, it's the college, I guess, administrators uh, falling behind in making the experience better. Mm-hmm. In other words, and that, that dovetails into it's easier to stay home with an 80-inch TV and have free beer and not park and face crowds. Uh, students want connectivity. What I was shocked to find out in this latest story is not every stadium is wired for Wi-Fi. I just assumed in 2020 that was the case. But if you're not wired or you're not wired properly, that's a really good reason for not only students, but fans to stay away. They want to check their phones all the time. Yeah. So the, the idea in this day and age 
forget the demographics, generation X, Y, Z, whatever, is to make the stadium experience as close as you can to the home experience. Sometimes that's impossible, but sometimes that just means putting seat backs on bench seats. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Uh, At some places. And so they've fallen, I I think way behind in, in that, you know, it's funny because, uh, uh, the national championship game in 2014, which, you know, early 2015 at Jerry's, Jerry's, Jerry's world, you know, in, uh, Arlington, Texas. And, you know, modern day press boxes aren't exactly on the 50 yard line anymore. No, (laughs) And so you're down in the, you're down the corner of the end zone. I guarantee you all watched 80% of that game on the big screen. It was hanging from the ceiling. You follow my drift. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. I think, I think Jerry, Jerry Jones and his group were kind of ahead of the curve when it came to, you know, you've got to address the fact that everybody can be sitting at home, you know, on watching either on their 32 inch meager screen or their, like you said, their 75 or 80 inch screen and see the game a lot better than sitting here. Hey, unless we put a big TV in the place. And of course with yeah. college football, you know, Ohio State's got a, got a huge screen. Texas A&M has huge screens around the place. I mean, yep. you know, around the country, they've tried to, for example, keep up with the Joneses in that regard, pardon the pun. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's what people don't understand is college football, going to a college football game is, is like a five-hour commitment or six-hour commitment if you're going to a, a big-time major college game because you got to get there two hours before the game starts just to find a decent parking place. And you if you stay through the duration of the game, that's three, three-and-a-half hours. So maybe it ought to be a six-hour commitment until you get back to your car, you know. Uh, yeah. That's a lot to ask of people in the modern day uh, who, number one, have other things to do. Number two, have access, like you said. But number three, and then in the modern day, you've got a telephone you got a cell phone that you're trying to watch other games on while you're watching that game, right? So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're right. And, then, you know, Ohio State, I know, has enhanced its uh, its Wi-Fi component at its games, and I think there may still be a few complaints about that. But but, but here's, here's – let's get to the nut of it. Ohio State, uh, Michigan is still a huge draw. Ohio State, Penn State was a huge draw last year, obviously. As Wisconsin. you and I talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Texas uh, – Texas LSU, I mean – that game, let's talk about that game for a minute. Uh, you know, Jim Jim Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow's dad and I were talking about the, the week after, you know, and he was they were way up in the nosebleeds or wherever they put the uh, the opposing teams or the visiting teams' uh, parents and stuff. But the place was just crazy. But to duplicate that on every Saturday is quite difficult. And yet Ohio, uh, Texas did. <laughs> they benefited yeah. greatly from that game. Talk to people about that, man. Yeah, the top programs that can are getting increasingly away from games. Yeah. Um, the model, the, the equation that was presented to me is, okay, let's say you have you have six home games, and we're talking about um, you know three or four in conference and then two or three you can play with yes. sometimes four in, in non-conference uh you don't uh, of those six you don't want any more than two stinkers and even then you might be pressing it not every school can do that um you know the sunbelt schools have to go play guarantee games we get that but what's becoming obvious to these power five ad's is uh it's more attractive for the fans to schedule those big games and, and take a risk of a loss than it is uh, scheduling a win yeah. to, to fill up the schedule because now you're, you're in the entertainment business. 
you're trying to get people to buy um, season tickets as a block. And if that's more, um, you know, attractive than it was the year before, and if you go out and get these games and you're seeing it, I'll, I'll name the schools, Florida, Georgia, um, Texas, Alabama, I think Ohio State might be in there. They've got this loose consortium where they're trying to go out and play each other mm. to, to take care of each other's home schedules. And, and the bigger part of that is, you know, the loss, not the losses be damned, but if you project out, we're going to have an 18 playoff someday. And it, if you play a strong schedule, it's going to make it a lot easier to get in the playoff in an 18 playoff. If you're 10 and two, Yeah, you know, if you play a strong schedule and I think schools have already thought out that far, we're pro- we're at least six years away from any, that even consideration. Yeah, But you know, there's a reason why every time these schools announce, Hey, we've got a, we've got a, a home, home and home, home with te- in yeah. Texas in 2035. People lose their minds. Yeah. I know on our site, page views are unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's free PR. People get excited about it. Yeah, twenty thirty five, man. I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be eighty. I hope I'm still here. I'll be eighty one years here. old, man. I, I will definitely be watching a game on television. Yeah, but uh, but you know, get back to that, you know, that Texas LSU game. Just you know, you know, just anecdotally, what you heard. I mean, there were one hundred ten thousand, well, you know, one hundred sixteen thousand people there, or something. But explain to people what that means exponentially from the standpoint of of uh, concession sales, etc., parking sales. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Hundred, the figure that was given to me. You have to understand, uh, Daryl K. Royal slash Texas Memorial Stadium only seats slightly above a hundred thousand. Right. I was told by those who would know there were one hundred and sixteen thousand people in the stadium that day. You know, basically hanging off the rafters and the, the tunnels and everything else to see that game. Yeah. You know, call your local fire marshal if you have a problem with it. But to that point, obviously you had ticket revenue. You also had. Uh, uh, concession revenue that day of $2.5 million alone. I did the math. Crazy. That's about $22 a person. And that's not insignificant money for any athletic budget, Texas yeah. or anybody else. Um, and so when you get that, when you get more of that, yeah, you have to win, but it, it anybody in marketing and athletic marketing can tell you if you are, if you are marketing wins, uh, you're behind the eight ball because yeah. you can't always do that. Yeah. I guess at Alabama and some others, Ohio state, but you better have a plan in place. You better make that thing attractive when you aren't winning 10 every year. Dennis, uh, this is the first year this past year. Cause I'm semi-retired now, but the two off weeks, I didn't have to worry about doing a feature for the dispatch, you know, on Sunday. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, this past year I went to the Alabama at Texas A&M game, largest crowd they'd ever had for a game at Texas A&M. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and uh, to go and get in line for concessions, number one, it's kind of a pain in the butt to walk through the walk across the you know across the people in front of you or sitting on the same aisle with you are or the row you are sure. just to go go down and then to get in line for concessions and or the bathroom. But I went to the, also I went to the uh, Notre Dame Virginia Tech game, which I think actually broke the string of consecutive uh, sellout games for Notre Dame. I think it did. It was in November. Mm. Uh, and I'll never forget, I left my seat uh, late in the first quarter to go to the restroom, went to one restroom, the line was wrapping around, went to another one, got in line, and spent 25 minutes waiting to go to the restroom. Yeah. So I missed uh, the end of the first quarter and the half of the start of the second quarter 
Uh, and then I went to get something at the concession stand, and then the lines were so long there, I just said, I don't need it. I was freezing, you know. It was yeah, cold, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's what fans, you know, you get kind of a taste of what fans are dealing with as, you know, uh, on, a, on a daily ba- on a weekly basis. And like I said, at Alabama, Texas A&M, it was worth it. Virginia Tech, yeah. Notre Dame, obviously it wasn't worth it for a lot of people to show up because it wasn't even – I don't think it was a sellout. And uh, and it was not a full stadium. So that's kind of what the uh, dynamic is that the uh, college administrators are wrestling with, with right now. You can have a pretty good game that people aren't as interested in as the big games, but you can't play big games every week, right? You can't. And, and to that point, the, there was a struggle, and I'll call it a struggle, within college to – I guess, try to find a way to create what I call the premium seat. I'll give you an example. Yeah. At USC, as many problems as USC has had, they did a good thing there. They retrofitted um, the Coliseum, went from 93 to 77, new press box, huge new club level, where you where they created in, in the entertainment capital of the world a new experience. Yes. Hey, let's, get, let's go on the club level. Let's sit inside when it's cold. And it does get cold there. Yeah. Let's do that. The problem is very, very few schools can do that um, because most of these, I don't say most, but a lot of these stadiums are on campuses where, first of all, there's no room to build a new stadium. So you have to renovate. And even if you want to renovate, a lot of them were, were built during the Depression. So you just have to do as good as you can. In the pros, as new technology comes along, I look at that new stadium in Santa Clara where the 49ers play. Yeah. You know, they just, the 49ers just built a new stadium and, yeah. and completely wired state of the art. They can't do that. And um, one, one, side, one, one side looks like an office building, too, though. You know, it's like, it does. It's, it's entry. Go it ahead, though. The yeah. Press boxes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, AM, you referenced AM a few years ago, they just dropped the west side of their stadium, demolished it and built it up to 102,000 to make sure they had the biggest stadium in Texas. By the way, that is an impressive stadium. I I went to games there in the early 70s, mid-70s. Oh, yeah, Kyle Field. And it was always a huge stadium. But but what they did, you know, ought to almost be like a little bit of a, I don't know, a blueprint for what some people should do. But go ahead, finish your – Yeah, no, well, Texas A&M is an outlier because very few can build 102,000. See stadium and fill it. I mean, the master plan Bingo. was for a, was to be able to expand to 120,000, and they don't have that capacity. I don't think. Maybe they do. Somebody said, "Yeah, even that's going to be really hard to do here." But I did the story a few years ago. The reason this all came about, they had to raise 486 million dollars to do this. Yeah, you can build a stadium in a half a lot of places for 486 million dollars. Brand new. Yeah, brand new. So it came along at a, the, the momentum to raise the money, which they did, came along at a time when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman. Uh, the price of oil hit $100 a barrel, which is very important to those engineers at A&M. Uh, yeah. uh, and sounds, sounds pie in the sky today, given the market. But all of that came together, and they were able to raise that money fairly quickly and got that put together. And they made damn sure that it was you know one seat bigger than Texas. Yeah. So they oh, yeah. had the biggest... And it's a little bit. I think it's a few dozen seats bigger, but but bigger the biggest state in Texas because that's what they wanted to do. Um, not everybody can do that, but you get what's happening here. It's hard to create that premium seat, which leads to that experience, which keeps people in the stadium. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, I'll never forget. I was sitting with Andy Geiger one time when Ohio State was 
was you know going into his two hundred million dollar expansion mm-hmm. retrofit for for Ohio Stadium, and I said, well, why don't you just you know instead of spending all this money here, why don't you just take a and build it over at the corner of Lane and Kenny Road? There was this huge yeah. you know, and he goes. Do you, and he gave, basically said, "Do you know what it would cost to replicate the blue, you know, the footprint of Ohio yep. Stadium, you know, in in all of its quote unquote grandeur, et cetera, et cetera?" And uh, and he was right, you know. I think for the most part they did a great job, uh, by the way, of retrofitting Ohio State and the suites. I do too. The suites they've jammed in there, and yeah. yet they've kept it. The, the the you know the arch look pardon expression Archie Griffin the arches look uh, the uh, uh, they've upgraded a lot of things but a lot of a lot of stadiums haven't kept up with that now but I want to jump ahead to something though the interesting thing about going to or not going to college football games it's not a one size fits all as you pointed out in your story right. I mean Kansas was what Kansas uh, attendance increased better than anybody I think in the in the in the country last week and they didn't have a winning last year but they didn't have a winning record but they had the less miles effect because they yeah. suddenly had shown themselves to be competitive and those people that's all yeah. those people were clamoring for was at least make us competitive obviously and they jumped what, what how do you explain that well that's what i referenced before yeah they want to win with less miles but they knew they could get an immediate bump some kind of way with him but yeah I think it exceeded everybody's expectations at Kansas. Like you said, Kansas, little old Kansas, led the country in attendance increase going, I think it was 14,431 per game. So they were up to 33,875, a modest number, but still for Kansas, it plays in a 50,000 seat stadium and it's absolutely horrible. Um, yeah, you know, they, they were three and nine last year. They yeah. improved a little bit. And it was the less miles effect. Um, you know, they uh, one of their officials told me that the city of Lawrence, their uh, economic impact for home games went from what was it fourteen million to twenty seven million. Yeah. Um, just because of this, there are more people that want to be there now. Will it be at the same next year? I don't know, but they it served its purpose. I mean, less miles brought some cachet that other coaches wouldn't. And, well, and they made a lot of money off of it, frankly. I think what you meant to say there is less is more. Less is more. That less, is, yes. Less means more. Uh, and, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they even they even uh, attributed the success to this. I don't know if people have seen it, the, the streaming series on ESPN Plus, Miles to Go. Yeah. Uh, and they contracted with a producer who's very good. And I thought it would be like a three-part series. It went the whole season. Oh, it was excellent. And it's it's pretty fast. It's oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. You know, you know, Dennis, you're like me. I mean, even when the things are controlled in those kind of like series, if you yeah. really watch, you can see a lot of stuff you didn't know. You know what I mean? I mean, you can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are all kinds yeah. of ways. I mean, you know, that's why a lot of the big time schools don't let you really do that. Y'all, I'll never forget uh, <laughs> two years ago they did a preseason thing with Alabama. Yeah, I'm sure you watched that, and uh, all oh, yeah. of a sudden yeah. they showed this one video of this morning staff meeting, and I can't remember how many guys I counted in the staff meeting with Nick Saban sitting at the head of the table. But I'm yeah. just going, you know, this ain't 19, this ain't 1970 anymore. You know, it was no, it was, it was crazy how many quality control guys there are in yeah, the world. All anymore. those analysts, yeah. all those analysts, everybody. Yeah, yeah but, I remember know, that. Just yeah. one touchdown is all they needed against LSU. Stop one. <laughs> Stop one scoring drive, and they'd have been. <laughs> but those guys couldn't come up with. Hey, real quick though, before you go, uh, you know, Ohio State. I'm, I'm not gonna say guilty is not the right word, but uh, you know, when I first moved up here in 1976, the ticket prices have just like continued to escalate. You know, for 
all kinds of different reasons. I called it every every time they needed a new oil well, instead of having oil, they would just increase the price of the tickets, you know, at places like Ohio State, maybe mm-hmm. Michigan, Penn State, whatever. Uh, but I don't forget, I was standing in the back of the press box with the lost Dodds and uh, Gene Smith when Ohio State played at Texas in 2006. And mm-hmm. that was when I forgot what the price of the tickets were on the Internet you know, back then, I don't, I don't remember if StubHub was around, uh, uh, whatever, but I think it was eBay where you could buy tickets. But it was just off, you know, over the top. And I remember standing with those guys and said, why don't, why don't you guys hold like two or 3,000 tickets back every big-time game and put them on an auction site? You know, and uh, whoever, whoever bids the highest gets those tickets. And, uh, and this was also when, I, when I, Ohio State and Texas, they weren't graduating – I don't believe either one of them were graduating the price of their tickets based on who they were playing, you know, and they kind of because yeah. they wanted to be fair to all, so to speak. Well, yeah. definitely Ohio That's State. Gone by the way, so oh, dude, That's gone by the way, two or three so, years yeah. later, Ohio State went yeah. to that model, and now yeah. you know the the premium ticket. You know, last year I think it was the Wisconsin game and and Penn State, you know, and then of course this year it's going to be Michigan all over again. But they went to yeah. it in a heartbeat. So you may get into the Rutgers game or the the uh, Ball State game in a few years for like sixty bucks, but you'll pay you know two fifty or whatever to get to the Ohio State the Michigan game. Uh, they they are reacting to the ticket demand, uh, but do you think that has a future? Oh, the dynamic pricing? Yeah. That's what they call it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, you know, to the same way Major League Baseball has done it for years, like when the Yankees come to town. Uh, I know right. they do that here in Kansas City. Uh, they're higher. But I, but I think the larger question or the larger discussion is how, look, we're not talking about uh, MIT economics um, experts in these athletic departments. They right. still struggle to find what the right price is for these tickets, supply and demand. Sometimes it's simple as that for these stadiums. You give a fan a reason not to go, they won't go. Um, every time I write this story that we're talking about and I post it yeah, and I'll put it on Twitter, the, the uh, inevitable reaction is, well, tickets are too high. And I want to get on there and say, yeah, but it's a layered discussion. But that's what the public thinks. Yes, That's the first thing they think about. I would go, but, yes. You know, Yes. Uh, they don't say it's too hot. They don't say it's too cold. They don't talk about parking. They talk about $100 tickets. Yeah. And if you give them a reason to stay away, then they will. The other part of that is colleges in general have done a really bad job of capitalizing on the secondary ticket market. Um, the Which NCAA, is- to its credit, I think runs its own site for the Final Four, the tournament, where you, 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 know, you can legally go on there and get um, – tickets in the secondary market for the tournament but by and large these schools don't have that and they're just letting these tickets go away for five bucks that's what i was talking you to know. that's what i was talking to about with the lost dodge and gene smith i mean they could have made a, yeah. both teams with when they hosted each of those games at home and home series which was great they yeah. could have both made a, a huge premium hey yeah. i want i want to jump i want to jump real quickly though from that uh so uh and but it kind of the, the, the cost of the ticket, though, is kind of flies in the face of, but they still sell out big time Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, LSU. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it And that was a premium ticket, I do believe. It just shows you that if you give people something to come see, they will pay to come see it, right? Like a Pavarotti concert a long time ago. Yeah, there's a, there a line in the story where I quote, I think it was a guy 
from West Virginia is one of the best marketing. Yes. Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. One of the best marketers in the country, an associate AD, said they're, they're still going to come for the big events. You know, th- those you don't have to worry about. But how many of those do you have? Ohio State has several playing in the Big Ten. Yeah. But if you're in another conference and you're not struggling and your your conference, uh, your uh, non-conference schedule sucks, you got to create the events, especially they tell me for for the for the millennials. You know, yeah. they don't want to buy a season ticket necessarily. They want to buy an experience. Yes. So let's see. You've got you've got Barca loungers in the end zone that serves beer, and it's in September and it's still warm. <laughs> I'll go to that with my friends. That has almost nothing to do with football. So you've got to create that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting too, though. Ohio State and uh, Wisconsin and to you know Michigan and Iowa. You know they are also, but especially Ohio State when it goes to Rutgers, when it goes to Maryland, when it goes to Indiana. Ugh. You know. Uh, when it goes to Northwestern, that's when those teams get their biggest home crowds, you know, and uh, yeah, and uh, and that's the effect that Alabama has when it plays on the road. And I, and I remember broaching that subject with somebody. Well, shouldn't shouldn't those schools be kind of like the LeBron James appearance fee? You know, shouldn't those schools be, yeah, yeah. you know, be giving you some kind of premium for the, you know? And they go, no, in a conference you can't do that. You know, you've got to be good citizens because you can't have a conference without those teams too. You know, but uh, it's uh, I think I think anything's on the table at this point. Real quick for you go uh, uh an athletic director i can't remember who it was though he used a word that i call a four-letter word when it came to mm-hmm. college sports a long time ago he said you know what we really are now we're inventory for the uh sure. for the television networks and now it yeah. has come to bite them in the butt like we were just talking about it has come to bite them in the butt from the standpoint of those lesser games where people don't show up they're sitting at home and watching i mean buddy I'll, I'll watch eight games at a time if I can. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I have that ability. Uh, if I if I could get, get eight previous channels on my previous channel button, it would be great. But uh, or split screen. But but now it has come home to roost because we all know when you could only be on nationally three times in two years. You remember those old days, and even oh, before yeah. that was, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, people were going to the games. So uh, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle, though, is it? When you have the Big Ten Network paying the money it pays to these schools, et cetera, there you're pretty much every game's going to be televised, right? No, Jim Delaney turned me on to that term about the time they were establishing the Big Ten Network, 06, 05. That might have been when I heard it, too. Go it, ahead. Yeah, yeah, it launched in 07, and he would call it inventory. Like he was opening a, yeah. you know, like he was opening a pallet of canned peas or Grocery something. store, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He called it inventory. And then it just struck me, you know, as these conferences expanded, it really didn't matter. It, it mattered that it was, you know, Rutgers and Maryland, but you know, he he wanted in the in the beginning what he wanted to do, Jim Delaney now, yeah. What, when he expanded, he wanted two of these three. He wanted Georgia Tech, Virginia, and North Carolina. That would have been his home run. Yeah. So what he got was a fallback, but in Rutgers and Maryland, but it was still inventory. You know, it filled a slot on the TV schedule for both uh, national TV and the network. Yes. You know, in the Big 12, uh, same with when they had to expand and get back to 10 with uh, with West Virginia. I just I submit that West Virginia was just a warm body. They had their hand raised at the back of the class. I'll do it. I'll clean the board. It's not, you know, it's just it, to, to the TV folks and some of the commissioners, they're just, you know, they're just numbers on a blackboard. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you, 
you like the schools, you'd call them conference members. But what the heck is, you know, what the heck is Maryland doing in the Big Ten? What the heck is Rutgers doing in the Big Ten? Yeah, yeah. Rutgers doesn't doesn't deliver New York the same way Maryland doesn't deliver Washington, D.C. Yeah. But they're but they fill out the roster. Yeah. And those well, examples. Well, when you put a map up, though, the Big Ten, you can show the footprint, you know, touching Manhattan. Oh, yeah. So I think that's what they looked at. But, you know, what's the funny thing about it is and, and this is what I talk about coming home to roost is what's coming home to roost. I think this year is the big 10 network, you know, that share that everybody's been that huge share that mm-hmm. everybody's it, it. The slice of the pie is not going to be quite as big for Ohio state and others because Maryland and Rutgers, I think are going to finally get their full slice. And yeah. I think you know, some people, and I think Ohio state's kind of dealing with that too. They're sharpening their pencils on their budget, you know, might be a little bit of a shortfall based on what they've been used to, uh, you know, because they're not going to get quite that big a share from the Big Ten Network, you know, until maybe the next negotiation or whatever comes up. And yeah, but so, you know what? That's that's uh, two years away. Exactly. But they're all <laughs> they're, they're negotiating right now. I guarantee right. you. So oh yeah, it's, it's going to go up. It's but they're all looking at, it, and they're also dealing yeah. with the phenomenon that you pointed out in your story the the lack of people showing up at games. I mean, we're not talking about a desert, a desert, you know, but uh, we're talking about, you know, you lose 10,000 people, t- like you said, times 20 uh, yeah. at a home game. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What does that add up to? I th- was that, uh, uh, anyway, that's the amount 200. of, yeah, $200,000. That's the yeah. amount of, and that adds up over four or five games. I mean, of, of, of just pure revenue that you would have gotten just from concessions, not to, not to mention parking, et cetera, you know, and poncho sales. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about that. There's the numbers that you read in, in those attendance figures are only the number of tickets distributed. Um, they, they are paid for yeah. season tickets buy them that week. They had a game. What, what schools are concerned about and that when they don't have to report the day of game tickets scanned, where you just go in yeah. your ticket. That's how you, that's the real attendance that those are the butts and seats. There was, I, you can probably figure it out, figure it out. when I tell you, there was a big 10 school this year that, uh, routinely has a hundred is has a hundred thousand seat stadium, not Ohio state. Right. Um, that for a, a Rutgers game, bad opponent scanned 43,000 tickets. Wow. Now that what, what will be reported to the NCAA is probably something around a hundred thousand. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what, how many season tickets and people paid for tickets. That many people stayed away that week. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere. I think that school might be somewhere between Ohio and New Jersey, but I may be yes, wrong yes. on that one. Oh my that's guess. That's a good guess. That's yeah. a good guess. Hey, real yes. quick before you go, the, <laughs> last, the last thing I know I've said that three times, but that's my calling card. Um, I was really, <laughs> The the number that intrigued me when you listed the power five averages and then you listed the uh, the the next five averages, you know, for the uh, average per you know a conference game or the conferences yeah. was the MAC averaging I think fifteen thousand five hundred fifty. That number sticks in my mind. Yep, Dennis. Uh, where I went to high school in Lufkin, Texas, in nineteen seventy three, they built a an eleven thousand seat stadium, which was packed a lot of the time. If you follow my drift there, I mean, oh, in Texas, I know, I know what you're talking in about. In Texas, there are high school stadiums all over the place that could hold an average Mac crowd. So I'm yeah. not sure, you know, that's the funny thing about all this is when we start uh, juggling these balls, the Mid American Conference is considered Division One, just like Ohio State is, or just like the Big Ten is. You know, Ohio University is considered Division One FBS, just like Ohio State is. Sure. You, you yeah. could not hardly get more 
a polar opposite in terms of uh, turnout. And you know what I mean? Budget, whatever you want to call it, stadium size. That's no, and it's it's in name it's in name only. Right. And if if there does come a day, and I didn't get into it much in this story, that those power five teams decide to play just each other because of what we're talking about. Yeah. They can keep the seat, the seats filled. Then where does that leave the but, Mac? But here's, but, but here's the, the rub. Belt? Here's the rub yeah. about college football. It's all about pride. My team's better than your team. And as I've yep. said this a million times, written about it and talked about it on my podcast, et cetera. If you just go all power five, let's say you started a 60 team super conference mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. half of those teams are going to have losing records you know what i mean that's and, right and the the view from the top won't be quite you know you'll be from the middle floors of that uh, high rise you know and then, i've always said that if you, yeah. if you do a top 65 because that's what the power five is yeah. right now 65 schools and any given well and every given saturday half those teams are going to lose so what do you got you yeah. know you got so you almost need you almost need those group of five to fill things out yeah. and coaches. Nick, Nick Saban is the guy most, uh, you know, we should play all, he's the one the most, oh, yeah. we should play all powerful. Well, Nick, you can, yeah. you know, yeah. you can go get, you can go get, um, I don't know, pick somebody, Colorado state. Well, you know, or not Colorado state. Yeah. Go get somebody from a power five, bottom of a power five, and play them and still go twelve and zero. Oh, Not everybody can do that. Yeah, but meanwhile, Alabama's routinely, you know, and you, you know, you know me well enough to know I grew up an Alabama fan. I grew up in Alabama, yeah. and we moved to Tech. But you know, they routinely have that whatever that opponent is they call it before they play Auburn every year. You know, their warm up. You know, their oh uh, yeah, yeah, their yeah. You know, catch their breath, their catch their breath weekend. But yeah, I know the, that the bye, the bye week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah Charleston State or somebody or yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, hey. I'm not, you know, you know, you know the speech he gives every year to the media about that. But uh, anyway, oh, yeah. he's the lectures us. Yeah. Hey, Dennis, always appreciate it, man. You're one of my favorite guys out there, and uh, you're you're still in my power five, man. And I appreciate you coming on. And <laughs> by the way, CBSSports.com, and then uh, that's where they can find you. But also, uh, you guys uh, during the during the tournament, especially this basketball tournament, uh, talk to me about y'all streaming service. Yeah, uh, CBS Sports HQ. This is the uh, February was the second anniversary, and it, it, I, I, as a consumer, to me, it, it really is just awesome. It's the production quality is great. It's twenty four seven. It's free, and it's on the site. You can get it on your TV too if you have internet access. And it, it, it is. I tell people it's what ESPN News used to be. So if you want to check in at any time, get the highlights, find out what's going on. It's there, twenty four seven. You get up in the morning, see your NBA team, NHL, everything that happened in a few minutes. It's great. Oh yeah, I know. And then, and then on top of that, what 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 are you hearing, man? Do you think the coronavirus? Uh, do you think the, the NCAA? Do you think there could be something coming out in the next week or two about attendance at games, et cetera? What 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 are you hearing? Um, I think I, I think the next step as we record this on Tuesday. I think the next step is that they will probably close locker rooms to the media, yeah. uh, which really doesn't impact the public. I don't know if we're there yet in playing games in empty arenas. I thought it was a, a very, um, I guess, compelling step that the on Tuesday, the Ivy, Ivy League, League yeah. Ivy League canceled its tournament and canceled spring practice yeah. in football. Yeah. So, you know, and, and this thing is not going to get better. We're not uh, anytime soon. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And how does that impact, you know, bumping up against all the revenue and money that the NCA makes out of this thing? 
at some point there may be a lot of pressure on the NCA. I think one one middle ground is to consolidate the venues in which they play. They play in 14 different cities. I'm talking about the tournament. Yeah. In, into maybe fewer cities just to keep people from traveling all over the place. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would I would expect restrictions to happen. Yep. I got you. Hey, Dennis Dodd, it's always a pleasure, man, and I appreciate you joining us. Tim, always a pleasure. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you, man. We'll be back in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, with more of the Tim May Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. And uh, I really appreciate Dennis Dodd for coming on my podcast. He's been on a couple of times now. He's, he's one of the great reporters out there who covers major college sports college football especially and uh yeah i mean these are you know trying times they're starting to be uh, more and more trying times for major college major college sports uh even football uh just when you think it's at its zenith right uh, right boston yeah I, i'm i'll be curious to see you know assuming that there are no delays and and well, there's no way for us to predict that right now with the college football season if if people will be so relieved after two months or whatever of self quarantine, if they, if that will help magically cure the attendance issue, everyone wants to go back out and, and be in public sure. and celebrate stuff that we had taken away. But you know this this was a long time coming before that point. Uh, so I don't know that that will that will be the magic bullet because as you said uh, earlier on, you know guys that have sixty five inch uh, HD screens at home, yeah, that's a pretty good vantage point uh, for watching the game and not having to you know, pay extra for beer and having your own bathroom and all that other stuff. Like I, I, I really get it. I understand what's, uh, what's happened there. It's sort of been, you know, the catch 22 for schools is that they get so much money out of the television deals, but you know, on the, you're, you're actually losing it on the backside with as many people who don't want to come. It's not been a massive deal for Ohio state in my opinion, because this fan base is so unique. And um, you know, even when we're talking about there being empty patches in the horseshoe last year, that's still 95 to 100,000 people that are turning out. Um, 99.9% of the schools in the country would kill for that uh, quote-unquote attendance problem. But um, you have to look at it. And Ohio State's added Wi-Fi. They're, you know, they're trying to do things to, to make the stadium experience more comfortable. They added alcohol sales. I think you, I think you have to follow the lead in some, in some respects of the price is also going to be a major deterrent. And at some point, I think there's got to be a correction with ticket prices, uh, a correction with, and this is not just Ohio Stadium, it's not just college sports. You know, the Atlanta Falcons were uh, a trendsetter with slashing prices for popcorn, beer, soda to manageable levels. And guess what? They're still making money. Five bucks for a soda is still going to uh, net you a pretty big profit as opposed to 10. Yeah. And I think they, there was research that found that the, the Falcons were doing more revenue when they cut the prices than they were off the steep prices. If you can buy more and you feel like you're getting better value, you're probably going to spend more. And I'm not here to tell uh, Gene Smith or any athletic director around the country how to solve it. I'm not, that's way above my expertise, just like, you know, coronavirus. But I, I think that you're, you're talking about health. Um, you're, I mean, you're talking about uh, 
you know, financial impact on people that want to be there. Uh, you've got to make it a place that, that people want to be, not just for the game, because anymore, that's just a, a part of the entertainment value. And, and that's what people are weighing right now, especially if we're coming out of this situation where we're all going to have to be more cognizant of what we're spending for a little while. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the conundrum. Uh, the rub is uh, Shakespeare would say, Ohio State doesn't have any trouble selling out the, the more expensive games, you know, right. yeah, Wisconsin, absolutely. Penn State. Uh, this year will be Michigan uh, at home. It's the the problem is the games that people you know when they when they're playing lesser competition are the ones that are the real challenge. You know, and uh, and the thing about it is it, it is it is a debacle to us. I mean, a at least a a problem for some schools, even Ohio State, because you you know you you count on certain revenue every year. And even athletically, even though you may have a, one of the largest athletic budgets and definitely one of the largest athletic departments in the country, uh, you still got to, you know, you still got to pay for that. You've got to come up with that. And, you know, and what you're hearing is, well, our state's ha- having a little bit of a shortfall from even this year with this athletic uh, budget or its athletic revenues. And, and so where that will, you know, Ohio State will be able to weather that storm. But, you know, a lot of other schools, like I pointed out with Dennis, I think the average attendance for a Mid-American Conference game last year was 50, a little over 15,000. Are you kidding me? I mean, well, uh, I mean a perfect uh, example, too, Tim, of what we were talking about with the television deals because, you know, those MAC schools made a deal and that moved their games to Tuesdays and Wednesdays oh, yeah. and Thursdays. Yeah. And, hey, we love watching college football. That's great for us, but – you know, if you are a student, uh, you know, like Spencer uh, went to Ohio or anybody who, you know, just use any of them, BG, Toledo, the ones that are nearby for us, like that's robbing them of a traditional college experience, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. And, and it also makes it extremely difficult for a Tuesday night in November for any casual fan to go. I mean, yeah. think about the, <laughs> the weather we have in Ohio. Oh, yeah, but just think about the alums. I mean, if you're driving down 33, at least 33 now, you know, it goes around uh, Lancaster and Nelsonville. <laughs> but uh, but the point is, uh, you know, you're going to go down there and get back get back home at like 1 or 2 in the morning. You go to work on a on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I mean, that's I, I, I've, I've debated that a long time. I mean, I've, I've actually criticized that for a while, that showing stadiums, and especially the MAC stadiums, Several of them, quite a few of them, are built are really big on the home side, as the old, old saying goes, but small on the other side, and then uh, the visitor side. And the visitor side rarely has anybody sitting in it. So I'm not sure what kind of atmosphere you're really promoting by having those games like that. And uh, so you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I think the big boys are are gonna be fine. We'll adjust, et cetera. We'll figure out ways to en- enhance the experience. But it's kind of kind of hard for like the the, the smaller schools in Division One, uh, which are considered, by the way, equals with Ohio State, Alabama, et cetera, from, from the standpoint of a voting block. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of hard for them to even put a lot into their stadiums because they don't have the revenue to begin with to do that, you know, and uh, as we've said many times, you know, whenever you see, whenever we have news stories of uh, Ohio State giving its coaches raises, uh, people go, there's my money, there's my tax money. No, it's not your tax money. In Ohio State, it is not your tax money. It's the money generated by the athletic department. Uh, And, uh, you know, and it's all of the ways it can do that, including the Big Ten Network. And, you know, whereas at Ohio U and places like that, you know, the student activity fee fund 
pays for a, a lot of the athletic department budget. And uh, that is coming out of straight out of the student's pocket, so to speak. And whether any tax money is involved, you know, I don't know the accounting there. But but yeah, there these are these are apples and oranges that are put in the same crate, you know. <laughs> right. And that's like if, if you were asking me uh, one, the number one recommendation to that situation is continuing to schedule games like Oregon, games like Texas. Ohio State knows that they have to put those games in the horseshoe. You have to, you know, put the best product on the field. I think at some point when you talked about the apples and oranges all having the same vote at the fruit stand, uh, you know, I think that there needs to be a split at some point between the Power Five and the Group of Five. And I know that nobody really wants that, you know, that you have the, you know, Boise State stories and, uh, UCF and those in te- Cincinnati has proven it can be competitive, but you know maybe they'll make it into a group where you have 64 teams instead of 130. But the quality of the games is the only way that I think that you can really fight it. The people want to be there. You talked about Penn State and, and Michigan; and those games are always going to sell out. The big games from Ohio State schedule never get. You can pay whatever price you want. Well, if you have a limited inventory and use part of it on, you know, Ohio State playing any team in the MAC or any of these, you know, lower you know, group of five teams where they're going to win by 50 or 60 or 70 points, people have grown tired of that, you know, and not everybody, I don't mean to speak to that with a broad brush, but um, you know, if everyone knows it's going to be a shutout, well, they're not going to pay a hundred dollars just to, just to see script Ohio anymore. And that's, but here's the way I look at it, man. If you went to a, if you went to a, a, a power five, all power five situation, you know, people people claim they want to see Ohio State play Alabama or Clemson or uh, or Texas in the preseason instead of you know just one of those. Maybe give you three of those. Well, that sounds good on paper, and that will carry the day for a couple, three, five, seven years. But then when all then when you're on the short end of the stick on those kind of games, and suddenly you know you're you're uh, sitting there and uh, with three games to go, you know you're 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 six and three. I mean. People won't be so excited about that kind of thing. I mean, that's you know, it, it, it's kind of like uh, bending to the uh, to the guy who's screaming in the crowd for one thing, and when you know that that's not really what he wants. You know, he he wants to see good football, but he also wants to see the big time Ohio State fans want to see Ohio, you. You know this uh, as well as I do, Austin. They want to see Ohio State go undefeated every year, and if they don't, they're very upset. So it's like, you know, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Hey, speaking of that, uh, and uh, kind of like dovetail it back into what we opened with, even though all this stuff is going on with COVID-19, the coronavirus situation, the Wuhan flu, uh, I just said that because, you know, I don't know why you can't – express where this came from. We all know where it came from, so I'm going to express it, But uh, and I'm not trying to be radical one way or the other. But uh, life, there's still a heartbeat in the Ohio State football uh, program, even though, as Ryan Day announced last week, they were shutting down everything to do with recruiting. The, you know, as Gene Smith said, they padlocked, for the most part, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Ohio State still had some news <laughs> in the football front from a recruiting standpoint, right? Yeah, I mean, they've picked up – Ohio State landed – Two guys, uh, as of the moment that we were recording this, and I would yeah. not be surprised at all. Uh, hint, hint, if there are more uh, on the way. I mean, by the time you listen to this, you'll know what I'm talking about, and it won't be a hint anymore. Well, um, throw it out there, man. Go throw it out uh, there for, for our that's, listeners. That's, 
that's Berm's that's Berm's spot. But I think that <laughs> I, I I expect that when uh, yeah. when we're talking when this is listened to that there will be a uh, a little bit of a solution potentially for the running back thing that we've talked about so much. Kerry Combs now has already been really active and landed two defensive backs over the weekend. Um, yeah. So this, this and so you got all that going on. It's it's kind of crazy. I think I I wanted to ask Berm about this. He's got his own. You know the talking stuff with Spencer. Uh, he'll break that all that down uh, his podcast. But I was just you know we were talking about it this morning, and it's like I think that this situation with coronavirus has forced some of these kids to stop you know quote unquote playing the recruiting game. Like if you have a spot and you know that you want to be part of Ohio State uh, and you're not going to be able to take visits, that they're I think they're starting to realize that they need to take that spot and let Ohio State know that they're coming. So they don't have to pursue other options. However, recruiting is actually going to work with the FaceTiming and all that. So I think, you know, for a kid like, uh, you know, Devontae Smith down at Cincinnati, like that was always where he was going to go. You mm-hmm. know, he got, as soon as he got the offer, he could have waited. He could have gone to see other places. But, um, you know, he's from Cincinnati. Kerry Combs recruited him. Uh, you know, he, he's a kid who was never, ever going to say no to Ohio State. So, Make your decision public. Ja'Kalen Johnson from St. Louis, the same sort of situation. You know, these kids were already comfortable and confident that that was probably where they were going to head. So there's no harm in them putting, you know, waiting at this point because they might might not have that opportunity later on if Ohio State they're they're starting to get a little bit full. I think you're looking at a potential by the end of this week where they've already got 15 commits for the 2021 class, which is the top ranked group in the country. You better if you want to be part of it, you better get in now. And that's not a threat or anything. It's just the situation. There are only a certain number of spots. And if you know you want to go to Ohio State, uh, it behooves you to say yes and do it, especially these highly ranked guys. And that's so you're talking about a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State, in terms of the future, they're as they're they're fully alive and operational, even if they can't host visits. That proves to you know a little bit of how how strong the brand is for Ryan Day right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that. The most interesting part of that now is if that you look at that class and it being mostly done, that'll be a big help that Ohio State doesn't have to, you know, have a bunch of visits, worry about a bunch of this stuff while the uncertainty is going on. Uh, I'm pretty curious, though, how it will impact this Trey Sermon situation where you and I, again, we've talked about running backs a ton of times, Tim, but this guy you know, from Oklahoma, he, and he's been in the horseshoe and he's been effective in the horseshoe that game a couple years ago this is a veteran guy from a cfp uh contender program he he knows what it'll take to to play in the ohio state offense if you're drawing it up man i don't know how you could do any better than this guy as a graduate transfer to fill that void he's a little bit like that jonah jackson dream scenario almost falling in ryan day's lap yeah i uh Trey Sermon possibility uh, has piqued my interest, no doubt, because he is a plug-and-play, ready-to-go individual. The only, the only question I would have is, you know, you know, you you would be coming from a team that's perpetually, you know, been in the playoffs, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, but anybody can see that uh, Oklahoma didn't get a Jalen Hurts, I don't think, in the transfer portal yet, right? I mean, uh, if you follow my drift. And mm-hmm. so, and we all know that the top two quarterbacks in the country going into the 2020 season, if in fact it happens, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, 
you know, they are uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and maybe not even in that order. We'll see. But uh, it's just interesting that Ohio State has become the attraction it has. Uh, just and it just shows during times of stress, etc. You know, Ohio State just keeps keeps rolling, so to speak. And uh, we'll see where Trey Sermon ends up. But that would be a ridiculous get uh, for the for the Ohio State right when it needs it. Yeah, it's it, you know it's hard for me like sitting here. I'm just wondering how it could work out any better for either party because you, know, right. you have to assume that Trey Sermon wants to keep competing for championships. Well. There's only, if you look at the CFP history, there's only four or five places where you can do that realistically. Uh, and, you know, talk about open playing time um, with Master Teague and that Achilles situation that we've talked about a ton of times and Marcus Crowley being hurt until the summer and, uh, you know, really only Steel Chambers and then Mayan Williams coming in the summer. Like, somebody's going to have to win that uh, that job and it, it's, it's going to be someone who's not all that experienced in the first place. So, um, you got somebody with 2,000 career rushing yards uh, at a school like Oklahoma. I believe the number is 25 career touchdowns. If that mm-hmm. is available, I mean, Ohio State, that's a full-court press situation. But you almost if you're Trey Sermon, I don't want to speak for the kid. I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Uh, we're going to try to do that and get his, you know his thoughts on the situation in the days ahead. It's hard yeah. for me to see what, what more could be out there for him because um, – Everything seems to line up in a way that it works out for both parties. Um, it's you know, I guess Jonah Jackson can vouch for that. That you you get you get exactly what's advertised, and when that playing time is available for you, um, it, it's worth your time to do it. Now he could go wherever he wants, but the other thing to keep in mind about that with Trey Sermon is that he did take two. He was he was heavily he was involved with Ohio State as a recruit. He took two unofficial visits. He knows Tony Alford. So when you factor in all the relationships, the playing time, the, the competitive level and all that, man, it really seems to point towards a, a good fit. But we'll, as you said, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, next next week we might be back. When I come back with the Tim May podcast, we might have you on to preach sermon. I don't know if you caught, caught my drift there. You. But, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's tough times out there, man. Uh, puns are hard to come by uh, at this point, just like uh, – you're toilet, never sure. Just like You're toilet ne- paper, just like toilet paper and bread, plans are hard to come by. <laughs> but anyway, hey, well, listen, uh, Boston, uh, we'll be back next week, uh, rain or shine, man, because we could, you know, basically with the new technology we have, we could do this. You could be on uh, Jupiter, and I could be on Mars, and we could still do our little podcast here, man. And I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, any other last thoughts you have about uh, – what you know? Just give me like in in a twenty second uh, little nugget. How oh you think this thing is? How you think this thing is gonna go from a schedule standpoint? People keep asking me that. And I go, you know, you're going down a tunnel with no lights, right? I mean, that, that's what this is. You don't know where the next turn is, yeah, and uh, what what that turn will, will will throw up in front of you. But that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, I mean, it, look, all we can do is pay attention to what the recommendations are, and then for us you know, and, and trying to apply it to Ohio State football. If they say eight weeks with no gatherings of over 50 people, then the, look, the kids have to be in school for Ohio State to have football practice. You know, I know they take summer school. That's part of the reason that they can have the eight-hour, you know, work week in the summertime. That's, you know, that was sort of the concession there. If you're going to work out, you need to be going to school. That's that's the way college football works. So 
Like if, if they can't go to a class, if online stuff gets, you know, going again and they're and Ohio state has a school year in the summer, then you, the NCAA can sit there and say, all right, you can start having these workouts, get back to that business. Uh, maybe we'll give you two or three weeks at, at the end of July uh, that you wouldn't normally have and get going from there. Maybe it's the same sort of a delayed spring practice where you can only go, uh, you know, really three times a week. Uh, and then you get to maybe that 12 to 15 range. I, I don't, at this point, I haven't heard anything that would make me think that the college football season is in jeopardy. But, you know, if you asked me last, last week at this time, I would have thought spring ball would continue and the spring game would be the only thing to get canceled, to get canceled. Right. I know that's past 20 seconds, but I think, you know, with the information that is out there right now, I I think we're talking about the NCAA stepping in and helping football and, and, and that sport in particular get rolling again by late June or or mid July. But that's uh, maybe July is more reasonable. Um, There are a ton of other things that they have to weigh and consider, but, you know, I, I, I don't think that this thing, unless it gets really, really crazy and the social distancing, all that doesn't work. I, I think we're looking at football being able to resume as normal, but, and I sure hope so. Cause uh, I mean, you and I, that's, uh, that's our livelihood, man. That's what we want to talk about. And uh, I think we'd all like to get back to normal as soon as possible. Amen, brother. Uh, I was going to add to that, but there's really nothing to add except that uh, just keep, you know, just basically keep your distance, so to speak. You know, I would it, I would encourage people to do that because this is a real deal that they're dealing with. And the problem is the mystery of it. You don't know where that guy you're you're talking to or that lady you're talking to where she was last and who she was talking to. And you know, the the domino effect of this thing is pretty pretty interesting. And so the more you can like do with the what the authorities are now trying to tell us what to do now that things have cooled down even in that area. I think Mike DeWine's done a hell of a job as a governor of Ohio showing leadership uh, in, in this situation. And, and of course, that's the one we have to listen to the most because he's, you know, that's where the uh, most of the critical rulings for us are coming from at this moment being in the state of Ohio. But uh, this is an interesting time, Boston, and I'm sure a week from now when we're recording our next podcast, it will get even more interesting. But until then, I do appreciate you coming out with me, Boston. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week. Promise. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and 
Vermont, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.